Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello! And welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamper and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Oh, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet Cedric to look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. Uh, a surreal feeling looking forward to this show tonight, Sidge, because obviously this is going to be a sort of Brody Lee tribute show, what with it being in Rochester. And yet it's going to be the best version of it, i.e., you think back to that show that was so tinged with sadness after the awful news of his passing over Christmas last year, of course. And then you think about how sensational that show was and what better show to have to to showcase this TNT championship that's so synonymous with him as well. Yes, absolutely. It's such a lovely thing that they've done to preserve his memory and his legacy as a performer in AEW and as a generally like extraordinary uh, human being. I love how they've tied Mr. Brody Lee to the TNT title. I love how they've selected a TNT title match in a pretty big one um, to headline this show. It just feels, I think it's important, even if it doesn't make for the best audio and I have to pause and collect my thoughts. Um, because you don't, when you're discussing something is just with such gravity like this, you really don't want to misspeak. So just bear with me while I try and like gather this thought in the most sensitive way I can. It doesn't feel remotely grabby mm. like or exploitative. It just feels like we are putting on a major TNT title match in honour of the man who had one of, if not the best, reign with it. And it just feels like that's his title. You know, it doesn't feel like they are doing this just to do it, doing it to grab a rating, doing it for sentimentality's sake. It just feels like the perfect intersection of a celebration of his life 
and a continuation of his professional legacy. Um, I don't, obviously they're probably going to do something beautiful, heart-wrenching, um, dark order related. But beyond that and the TNT title stuff, um, it just feels like they've balanced it all very, very well. Yeah, I'm not sure I want the Dark Order stuff tonight. I wasn't really aware that this was going to be... It might not, it um, might not. Yeah, like, obviously, we'd looked at Rochester for all those Dark Order-related reasons. And then having seen, like, I don't know if this was advertised a lot across the course of the week, but I only saw it today, that there was going to be some, like, heavy broadly theming upon this show. It's kind of put me off the idea of having the, the big Dark Order payoff come here, because... It's, it is almost impossible to measure where to draw the line between fact and fiction in a tragedy like this. And having the fictionalised characters of the Dark Order do their slightly corny acting stuff until Hangman Page comes and plays saviour, I don't really know if it's the night for it, because that's obvious. That's so obviously rooted in the fiction, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what pro wrestling is typically 52 weeks out of the year, and then occasionally you have to take one out for something like this instead. And I just think they're... Like if it's going to be a, a celebratory evening as well, like tinged with sadness as these things always are. I don't know if all of that's like all of that dark order stuff, which I had assumed would be a big part of tonight's dynamite might in fact play as being a little bit trite and unimportant mm. compared to the re- the reality that's going to, I think TNT championship is a perfect example of that. Yeah. That is the main event and that belt and this instant legacy that has attached him. Yes. Something that's a little bit, silly and supposed to be dealing with like a big consequential return for Hangman Page? Maybe not. Maybe like now looking at this, maybe I'd, I'm not sure I'd want to go near that. I don't know. Like on the night they might get the balance just right. You sometimes don't know until you're watching the show how it feels, what the energy's like in the building and stuff like that. And they'll have, they're a better judge of that than, than we are. But yeah, I don't know. It's made me feel like I want to keep one thing separate from the other. In terms of that TNT Championship match, I think it's incredibly tough to call Hamlet because you know, you can easily see this being, uh, you know, the crowning of Sammy Guevara and this this starting of a new reign of a TNT champion. Um, and obviously with all the, you know, the, you watch the road to and all that, you know, the 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 month that we're in and stuff like that. It, it sort of plays quite nicely. And yet, personally, I'm not ready for Miro's title reign to be over. Can he stay TNT champion tonight for you? Well, right, so here's the thing. I... On one hand, I think it feels really abrupt if Miro loses the TNT title tonight. I think it would feel slightly unexpected. I personally don't think they've done... Like, they've done a great job of establishing Sammy Guevara as this great babyface hope for the future. But I don't think they've done an outstanding job of positioning him as Miro's TNT title challenger, just within this individual feud. However, um, it is sometimes best to leave stuff on the table and... Uh, the example I've thought of, and it's not related to a belt or anything, but I just thought about breaking up the shield and how abrupt that felt in the moment, but how lionised the shield were as a result for years after that and how valuable their, like their coming together on television was in the years that passed after the fact. Maybe that's why it's the right time to take the TNT Championship off Miro is because this guy still feels red hot with it. He destroyed Fuego and Sammy on, that, on the Rampage stage on Friday and... Nobody I've heard or read talk about this has said it in that way that like, oh, now I'm absolutely desperate for Sammy to get his revenge tonight. No, nobody at all. Everybody's just going, Miro's awesome. Miro's in awesome. And ultimately, like, how long can they keep this up? Like, are you just going to keep the TNT Championship on Miro forever? 
if everybody's going to be feeling that way. I think Eddie Kingston would have generated the requisite sympathy. I think he's a different breed of babyface. And especially, I think, in Arthur Ashe, as a lot of us have predicted, a rematch they appeared to be setting up for. I think that would have been very different. But maybe, just maybe, you do the title change here because it's super feel-good on the night. It is like sort of Sammy Guevara almost liberating Brody Lee's TNT title from a guy that is kind of holding it hostage in his own like dark vision in the form of Miro. And then we all just get back to, we all get to reflect on this Miro TNT championship reign as perfect. This reign was just absolutely perfect. And he's on and upwards up the card after this because there's zero momentum lost, even in him losing the title. Yeah, Sige, I mean, I'm not saying that they should automatically give it to Sammy Guevara because it's National Hispanic Heritage Month and what have you. And there's a lovely nod to that in the uh, road to for Dynamite this week with all the you know incredible wrestlers they've got on that roster, just appreciating all their heritage and what have you. But it is, you know, it sort of has convened quite nicely for all that as well, hasn't it? It does. I don't think there's a bad result at all in this match. Hamphill points out that the best means of preserving the legend of something and Christ, look at Paul Shawn Michaels in Saudi Arabia for Christ's sake. The best thing to do is to preserve that in amber and not let it get rubbish. And you don't want anyone to drop a championship, even a heel. Like we're all 36 year olds on this podcast or 32 year olds. A lot of people are millennials. Like we don't really we're want our 30s. We're on our 30s. We're on our 30s. Absolutely. Um, so you don't want even to see a heel just get a title run do awesome with it and then it just fade away and flicker AEW have done an absolutely tremendous job across the board and I'm talking specifically about the men because I haven't really done this with the women's division and that should always be pointed out of and this is genuinely there's a lot of measures of AEW's booking brilliance a very notable one is how they frequently, as an actual device, as a philosophy, if you will, book long-term title reigns. The idea is if you book a long-term title reign, it makes the title feel all the harder to win, thereby making the guy who holds it all the more invincible. And yet, I can't think of a single AEW title reign with the exception of SCU that felt like a bit of a non-entity where I was desperate to see a switch happen where I was really getting a little bit bored and I'm thinking oh they have to change it so I'm getting bored of this so they've done an immaculate job mostly of really booking these title reigns not just mean something to not go long for the sake of the device but to actually be consistently rewarding compelling entertaining however you want to put it Miro's had this since May, and I think if he continues in this form, and there's no evidence to suggest that he wouldn't, we could get to December, and we'd still have that feeling. But you don't want to risk it. Mm. Um, three more things before we move on. The arguments for the switch against and the prospective quality. I think this match has got the potential to be like incredible. We know how wonderfully Miro works against smaller, agile athletes. He's had like matches that almost break the star rating scale and that it's hard to give them like between four and a half to 4.75 stars. And yet as actual TV matches and stories in which he gives his opponents loads in which he just shows the best glimpses of vulnerability, which make like your heart stop. He's great. Like Lee Johnson, 
Um, even that sprint squash against Fuego was awesome in that regard. Sammy Guevara is one of the best people possible to have this match with. Um, the build to the eventual 6.30 high spot, I expect to be spectacular. So I think the match will be great either way. With the Brody Lee thing hovering above it, and in fact storyline potential and permutations hovering above it as well, because at some point with Jungle Boy and JF and Sammy Guevara, these 2019 breakouts, I know Darby's already won a title, at some point the whole idea of, oh, they're future superstars, they kind of have to really execute those plans, otherwise it'll just become like a trope and how often can they lose? Sammy Guevara wins. It's a genuinely earned reward for a guy who in late 2019 was the breakout star of the Dynamite era. Like he was getting over in picture-in-picture breaks. Picture-in-picture breaks are usually the thing that people watch half-heartedly go, oh, well, it's just going to be a heat spot. Oh, I can go on my phone during this. Sammy Guevara made you pay attention to him. His character work was exceptional. His bumps were exceptional. His matches were exceptional. His promos were great. He's earned this. He absolutely has earned this. And it would be a feel-good, monumental m- moment fitting for the occasion. On the other hand, Miro still rules. Miro rules every single yeah. week. The real-life Miro was a very, very close friend of Brody Lee's. And all it takes is... Well, not all it takes. All you have to do is have the best match of your life. All Sammy Guevara has to do is enter an incredibly spirited performance where he loses nothing in defeat. And God damn it, we know that AEW can lay the hell out of those sorts of matches. And Miro can do the kiss thing, powerbomb, discus lariat, and then that'll be it. So they can go any event and it'll all be in good faith. Um, I think this will be incredible. Genuinely, I think this match will be absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'd be fine with it with either outcome. I said this on the news today. I'm a huge fan of Sammy's. I think he's probably going to be an AW world champion one day. Um, and yeah, if he wins, obviously, like you say, it's a great story and he merits this. And if he doesn't, it's also great that sometimes, sometimes dreams don't come true, guys. And it's just like this lovely arc where he's like, oh, I'm protecting my mate Fuego del Sol. And oh, I'd quite like to win that title now. And then Miro just murks him, like you say. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not bothered either way. I think Sammy Varo probably wins the title tonight. But like I say, I'm not, not fussed either way. Now, Sage, I'd got some reason got it into my head that tonight was the hair versus hair match. That's not, of course, happening until Rampage. But thankfully, if you like your hair stuff, you're going to be catered for because it's Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole, two men with gorgeous hair who anyone would be have to be stupid to ever suggest that they should cut it. This is going to be spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, this match will be an absolute banger. Um, I expect this firmly to be the opener. I expect it to be absolutely incredible. I expect it to be worked at a breakneck pace. I know why they've gone with Jungle Boy as an opponent. There's a ongoing Elite versus Jurassic Express and Pals feud and a big device that AEW has done. Sometimes thrillingly, sometimes it feels obligatory, but it's just something they do to preserve the big, big matches is they do stable member versus feuding stable member on TV. They'll do wrestler versus rivals stable mates and go up until they get to the final boss this is another continuation of that so i know logically why this match is happening in terms of the wider narrative picture on a strategic level this is genius 
The thing with Adam Cole, and this will not last forever, nor should it because he's going to be a megastar baby face someday. Mm-hmm. The problem with Adam Cole is that he's playing a heel and he's too great a man to genuinely cheer for. It's not his fault. It's not as if he's like really, I know he does the boom and the baby thing, the crowd interaction call and response, but why not do that? It's over and it's cool. But when he works a match, he's not doing these absolutely outrageous, spectacular things. Not that he isn't a really exciting worker, but you know what I mean? He's not playing babyface in his matches. He's such a sly defensive wrestler prick. He's not the guy who will do a springboard moonsault. He is the guy who with precision timing will super kick the face off when they're doing it. So he gives you the excitement, but he nips it in the bud and makes you despair and think, oh, I didn't get the great spot I wanted. He's awesome at that. Positioning Adam Cole against Jungle Boy is possibly the greatest opponent to get people on board with the idea that, oh, we're meant to boo Adam Cole for now. We're meant to jeer him for now. We're meant to think of him as a complete prick for now. And between this opponent, him being a complete dickhead to Tony Schiavone, they've really managed so far to do the impossible at this point and present this amazingly nice bloke and wrestling megastar as a heel. He's going to get a pop. He's going to get pops. They might even get a split crowd. The guy's just that popular and that nice. But I generally think if he does a great enough job in this match, which I expect to be a total breakneck ripper, then the fans will play along and reward his heel work in it. He'll win. Jungle Boy, yet again, will lose nothing. Yeah, it's a brilliant pairing, this, isn't it? It's the sort of thing Christian evoked the, you know, the Wednesday Night Warring conversation the other week. And at any point during the Wednesday Night War, you would have wanted Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy if you were going to bring you know one wrestler from one show to another. It already feels big time, and they've had to do so little to arrive at that narratively as well. Um, and on Christian Cage, what I really like about this is that he was the one that was like, uh, shh, I-, I got this, Jungle Boy. <laughs> Adam, Adam Cole in the six-man. And Adam Cole is effectively, shh, Christian. And it's like my big matches with Jungle Boy. And that's going to eat away at Christian Cage. That's going to eat away at his ego and his vanity. Um, and I, I like, it's not something that I think we, we need to ignore because I think it's, I don't think like Christian Cage and Jungle Boy's eventual match is a loose thread. I just think it's not been particularly focused upon recently, but we know it's there and we know it's coming. And I quite like that. Adam Cole will beat Jungle Boy. And then he talked about their hair, Will Bond. Christian will ruffle it after the fact. And like, <laughs> Never mind, kid. You're still pretty good. You're still pretty good. And it's like, hang on, the elite three off in stage. You weren't, didn't help out with the end of that, like six man. You went the exact same way as me before they turned, like they got Luchasaurus. Like, yeah, it's time to stop patronizing me. So I like how this feeds into that sort of growing discord in Jurassic Express. Um, And Adam Cole, it seems like, because they know what they've got in this kind of like perfect TV star wrestler. He can do his um, dark, dark elevation record padding in plain sight. He can win loads of singles matches like this because they can arrive at them through um, super click trios matches, or he can win tag matches, or he can just pop up with a, an unannounced singles match like the one he had on Dynamite two weeks ago against Kazarian, you know, like, and just sort of win that. There was no sort of nothing other than the obvious reasons to have that match. He can just build and build and build his matches like that until where well, he's better than Kenny Omega and it's on paper that he's better than, you know, like, because that's ultimately where the, what the big picture is right now. 
And I love that he's such a star that you want that little slice of him every single week. It's never going to be a waste to do an Adam Cole singles match because that guarantees that particular telecast. You love that one, Cedric, don't you? I love telecast. Telecast. It guarantees you that telecast and Adam Cole entrance. And people are going to want to tune in for that, if nothing else. He's, He's perfect. For the for like the way that AEW like frames its wins and losses, absolutely perfect. And as you alluded to there, Hamlet, you you have faith because this is AEW that they haven't just dropped this Jungle Boy Christian Cage thing that they've sort of been hinting at. And like you say, as a result of the loss that we all expect Jungle Boy to suffer here, he can not only say, "Well, at least you tried hard," he can say, "I'd have probably done better." And then even if mm-hmm. Jungle Boy says, "Well, you know, would you?" and he say, all he has to do is point to Rampage on Friday and go. He didn't want to start the match with me, did he? He immediately tagged straight <laughs> out. So I think he knows where the hardest task between the three of us is. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, another and match. Hamlet points out very, sorry, very quickly. Watching Adam Cole, you'll think, oh, he's had three wins now. He's had the trios win and the Kazarian, and he's presumably going to win Jungle Boy. Like this three-way race, because wins and losses mattering. And that's what all of this is about. This three-way race between Cole Punk and Brian, all three of whom Omega referenced at the end of the All Out promo. He said they're already tired, they're already like Punk, they're already dead, Adam Cole, or they don't work here, Danielson. Watching them three in this sprint up the rankings, wins and losses should man. <laughs> Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. 
Another match to look forward to tonight, Hampler, is Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. And I expect you knew this question was coming one day, maybe not today, but one day. Is Cody Rhodes still a baby face? No, but I already love how much they're playing with that. A um, few people reached out very kindly to me on Twitter over the last week about his gear. Um, and I've already forgotten the name. Is it Homelander? Homelander, I think it is, is a superhero character. This is, I, I can already hear this in the Cody Bollocking voice from that time he dyed his hair. But he's a superhero character that, like, to the public, is seen as this great guy that has done all these wonderful things, but behind the scenes is a complete prick and, <laughs> resents, and resents the fact that this is his life and this is his sort of, this is his role in life is to be this goddamn superhero. Jesus, these people always needing something from me. And apparently, that entrance gear was more than just like depth in his red, white, and blue. Apparently there was like, it was all linked to Homelander and that's who Cody was telling everybody about there. Sorry, Wilbon, yeah. I was going to say, it tells you all you need to know about us. We're far too cool for all that. We were like, oh, there's Captain America, but you know. Not- <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Finger on pulses. But I love this match. Um, Cynical, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Dante Martin and Matt Seidel have never won a tag match together despite often stealing the show. Is that right? Or have they won one or... They might have won on Dark or Dark Elevation, but at the minute I'm playing Hades, so... They're seen as like like the flying engines that could, aren't they? Like these two. They do all these awesome stuff in the matches, but they always fall short. I love the idea that they win here, because obviously um, it's okay at this point in Cody's current trajectory to have him eat a loss, even if it's Lee Johnson that takes the loss himself. Lee Johnson's taking no losses in League One, so he might as well take some in AEW. It's it's one of them things where Cody can... (sighs) He's absolutely raging. Um, what I love is that Cody can quietly resent Lee Johnson for being at fault for the defeat here. And Lee Johnson can look across the ring and be like, those two guys aren't in the factory and things are going pretty well for them. What the hell are you doing for me? There's a lot of fun to be had with these specific combinations. And Dante Martin has shone every single time he's been on television. Like you're looking at the gifts, the pictures, the height the next day. Cody, 2018 Cody, He's going to hate that. He's going to absolutely love that. And you're going to get push-ups, Cody. You're going to be like, if Arn's even there, if he's recovered from last week, if Arn's there, he's going to be like, I got this on. What are you talking? He's rubbish. He's rubbish, this guy. <laughs> and then, like, Donnie Martin's going to appear from the heavens or something to take him out. Like, he's going to play so perfectly into this into this character that Cody is tweaking or gradually moving into. And Lee Johnson, the poor sod, is going to be just completely caught in the middle of it. I, like, I really love this booking, and I hope they have a lot of fun with the, with the various stories you can tell with it. Cody has a philosophy, and I'm not going to disagree with the man, because I genuinely believe he believes it. And he's more often than not genuinely acted it out. He believes there's no such thing as a baby face or a heel. And he refuses to consider himself one or the other. He wrestles situationally, depending on the strengths of the story and how to get the story over. He's said this for the longest time. Like, at at a minimum, before AEW formed. And yet, in 2019, <laughs> there's no shades of grey. Like, Cody Rhodes was a goddamn baby face. And he was a phenomenal one of that, like, of a classic stripe that no one thought could ever be exhumed again. So, all of which is to state that there's a bit of pushback in certain circles online now. Well, he's not going to turn heel, because how can he turn into something he no longer believes exists? It's like, well, we thought baby faces existed in 2019. So, I'm pretty sure, like... <laughs> Because beyond 2019, as we've said many times before, during the TNT title run, he's played a babyface with heel tendencies. 
Like, it's not just a guy in the middle, the dreaded tweener, the word I hate more than most in professional wrestling. He's been a babyface with an edge, a babyface who's displayed outright dickhead. The Cody in 2018 was 95% of 2018. Me and Hamlet are in love with this run. It's like Bret Hart, one, two, three, kid. <laughs> he played a dickhead, a hubristic, ambitious, Machiavellian dickhead who just wanted the Bullet Club for himself. And yet, even within that role, there was a 5% of, oh, everyone's leaving me behind in a dressing room because they think I'm a dick. And I'm not such a cartoon character that I can't recognize as oh, me being this much of an arsehole worth it because I'm making everyone around me feel like feel sick. All of which is to state that, yes, the, a heel turn could happen, even if it's 95%. I'm thinking in this match tonight, he's going to present the veneer of, oh, I'm superhero babyface Goldie Rhodes, and I'm doing Lee Johnson a favor because I'm all about the factory and helping the future barrier. <laughs> What if he spends that entire match silently seething at Lee Johnson? Bollocking Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson being the 2021 MGF of 2019, where he's the long-term project. There's this really long-term story with Lee Johnson, at the end of which he puts him over as a heel. And it starts tonight with a bit of character development, like wrapped around, like a 10-minute banger where Lee Johnson, because he's young and he's really like desperate to make an impression, TV times at a premium, all the rest of it, like gets continually caught taking risks in the air, near falls, Cody on the ropes, like visibly saying to himself and projecting it outwards, stop being an idiot. Like, yeah, so I've given you the chance. I would love that to be the thread of the match here. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's what we're going to get. I think we get the nightmare factory is fine. Step one, basically, the win for Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, like you say, uh, Hamper, the first one certainly I would have seen on on Dynamite or Rampage, for example. And whilst right, whilst I remember uh, off the back of you two talking about it the other day, I went back and watched that footage where Brandy's got a concussion, hasn't she, or something? <laughs> I'm being the elite. It's the best thing ever. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Brandy got a concussion and Cody's in the other room popping bottles. Is he singing like I'm so excited or something like that? It's something I'm so like, excited. Like... Regrettably, <laughs> regrettably, there is a great line about someone who's been mega cancelled, yeah. deservedly so. Um, that spins off into another storyline. And within those wonderful two minutes, you're thinking, this isn't just better than Raw. <laughs> This is one a million times better than Raw, and this type of storytelling should be the mode going forward. I'm so excited. Yeah, go and find that. Yeah, redacted. Sage, what is next for Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson after their sensational draw last week? In follow-up social media interviews, maybe it was screened on Rampage, but every concern that everyone had about Brian Danielson coming in and going, oh, hang on, what about the ranking system? They know that they, funnily enough, AEW know that they've got a ranking system that AEW invented. So that's weird. <laughs> it was, it like Danielson um, referenced in a promo when he was like, the biggest smile on his face and the most gruesome looking chest you've ever seen. 
Like the <laughs> contrast was wonderful. Um, and he said that he alluded to a tweet immediately following Dynamite. Kenny Omega went, man, he ain't getting a rematch. So Danielson was like, all right, okay, well, if he isn't going to grant me one, I will simply get one myself by going up the ranking system. So what's next for Danielson? I almost did it. it. What's next for Danielson is like five tits TV matches, each one more tits than the last, with the idea being that, oh, Danielson's great. Oh, God, Danielson's working goss here. Oh, maybe he's going to work hook. Oh, you know, maybe he's going to have an absolute banger against insert heel. Nick Jackson, please. That's like, you know, like just uh, awesome matches on Dynamite and or Rampage. That'll probably get him there full gear um, in a two out of three falls or an Iron Man or something of that. If it's not formally stipped up, it will be, um, they'll, they'll give you some indication that there's not going to be a time limit draw, like either implicitly or overtly. Um, and I think it starts tonight. Basically, the second after we start, uh, recording this podcast at quarter to three UK time at four o'clock. They're going to say, We hear from Brian Danielson tonight. Yeah. So we'll probably get some kind of interview or follow up where he issues a challenge to someone or someone challenges him and he's going to go up those rankings. Yeah, it felt like um, there was time, I guess, from now to it's full gears November, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, looking at the date, it felt like there was adequate time with which to have five, six, seven, however many matches you need to have. Like, you know, Danielson will probably relish the opportunity to just for one week for fun work, be the first guy in AW to work a match on all four shows or something. He works Elevation, then he works Dark, then he works Dynamite, then he works Rampage. And it's like, oh, Kenny, I just got four. Can you believe that? <laughs> something like they can just have some fun with that because that's always supposed to have been his MO for all of this, for coming back in the first place. I did wonder initially if Kenny's sort of refusal really to acknowledge uh, another challenge from Danielson would result in them going with an eight-man as the main event of Full Gear. You know, the, that alliance that they were keeping with Brian and um, Jurassic Express. But then I, I, they could do, I guess, because Kenny with the super click um, makes that match fresh again. But they have just done the trios match. So it would feel like a little bit of a cheat maybe to like now try, even if it was blood and guts, like to try and like sell an eight-man as a pay-per-view main event. Um, so yeah, I would imagine... This all, and I would like it to all lead to um, maybe a 60-minute time limit match. If I buy away, it would be a 60-minute draw followed by a no time limit because last week was the first time I felt like I was watching Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega. So I was like, right, I want the Okada feud again, please. And I'll just take, I'll take an hour, I'll take another hour of it and I'll take a, well, we couldn't settle it over an hour. Now we've got to settle it again. Two draws, like a second draw at full gear because the guts on it as well, the guts on it as a pay-per-view main event, like AW reminding people how this can work and teaching fans that maybe haven't experienced this before. I saw some ridiculous, like not many, thankfully, but still some ridiculous takes last week. Oh, I would like to finish. Draws a finish, an idiot. Like it draws a finish. And they told you this really early in the company's history. If they need to keep telling you and they give you it in the form of just this awesome match of the year candidate, then I'm all for it. And a quick word on Kenny Omega, Hamlet. What's he doing in the interim? Uh, Dodges wanting to have conversations about Brian Danielson, I think is the fun way is the fun way to go with that. Um he can almost treat it as, well, that's my obligation to that filled. Never mind. Yeah, you, you came up short, you know, and then just tries to move on. It goes back to circle back to what we're talking about at the very start of this. Um up to and including as late as I would say the rampage review, where there was still conversation 
about, well, is this the week that Hangman Page brings the Dark Order back together? When do we get back to it? Is it something Kenny wants to get back to? Is it something he, like he it wouldn't make even sense for him to acknowledge it, but it does feel like it's got to get back in the conversation at some point. Um, so I would like I would like them to find their way back to that, but like I'm gonna leave that in their very capable hands because I just I cannot see it at the moment. I keep thinking about it and I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I like I welcome how I, however it is that they arrive at that point. I've got literally no idea considering how they uphold their steps how they are going to arrive at the match that is still going to happen, um, Omega versus Page. So maybe one day we will get our brains together and do a get the table and try and do it for them. Who knows? Today is not that day. We are running low on time. I would have one TV challenger between the pay-per-views. That's how these championship reigns tend to go. If not Dante Martin, I would, and I think Kenny Omega could genuinely get this over so well. It's the elite, the super click, the super elite versus a loosely affiliated babyface squadron, that being Jurassic Express, Brian Danielson, and Christian Cage. That was the big thing following um, All Out. And we've already seen various permutations of these matches happening. In the sort of classic pro wrestling, I'm leading towards this direction, ah, but it's actually this one. I'd like Kenny Omega to say something like, I've been involved in a lot of rivalries of late with a lot of uh, people on the other side of the ring, some great talent, and I know, and I hopefully do it visually, so you've got like Danielson's, after a big brawl, Danielson, Cage, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and he'll heavily hint that he's going to say to Danielson, I know the match that everyone really, really wants to see. It's Kenny Omega versus Mark Stone, And <laughs> they could have like a genuinely dramatic 12-minute match and he'll give you one Mark Stone to AEW champion near four. Like legitimately. Legit, legit LTST this yes. as well. Like this is because, a year yeah, plus all stems back to, uh, is it Fight for the Fallen 2020? The six-man, yeah. And Kenny lost it with him. <laughs> lost it. He was full baby for this. This was the first glimpse. Wore the T-shirt, didn't care about Marco Stunt, and decided to just bully him. Then on BTE, which is selectively canon, and I'm going to select this particular segment as canon in AEW. Um, afterwards, like, Kenny, you know, his full baby face, showing contrition. So I, I shouldn't have done that. And, like, Luchasaurus appealed to his better nature and went backstage in his dressing room and was like, come on, Marco, like, you're Marco Stunt's hero. He really looks up to you. And he's sat there in the training room with an ice pack. Like, he's, he's hurt, but more to the point, he's, he's embarrassed. And Kenny was like, yeah, I feel bad, I feel bad. And he went to the training room, bumped fist with Marco Stunt, went, so I don't know what happened out there. Like, I'm really sorry. And then the camera followed Omega backstage and went, oh, little bitch. <laughs> and then we can again have like you say and you could talk about this spider web of stuff at some point you have adam cole versus marco stunt and he beats him in like two minutes like hmm. it's right there um please god let this be the end of the tay j penelope ford bunny stuff tonight siege i ranted about this on the news it, it just it's really touched a nerve, especially last week on Rampage. I know we were only reviewing it yesterday because of time constraints, but I was just like, it's the same match. It was Anna Jay versus the Bunny last week or two weeks ago. And then it was Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford. 
And both times, the other person came down, refracted her, and then she got beaten, and then she got hit with brass knocks. And I just, I'm done with all this. Anytime on AEW television, you see something that is virtually a WWE way of booking something. It just feels like such an awful, boring disturbance, actively annoying as well. Singles matches, singles matches, singles match, singles match tag. Like, come on, going through every permutation possible to fill up six minutes of the TV time to get. Yeah, it's not good. I hope this is the end of it. And I don't think it'll even go that long. It feels like this is the backdrop for whatever the big Dark Order Rochester thing is going to be. Um, I don't know what that thing is. Um, I've been sitting on a take, and it might be the wrong time to express it genuinely in the arena, considering that the Dark Order, and I've gone off a bit because of the acting recently. And this might not go over well at all, depending on how they handle it. Like, I think a collective, voluntary disbanding of the Dark Order probably should happen at some point because the way it's so inextricably linked to the real-life tragedy um, of Mr. Brody Lee means that whenever I've watched them not be the nice Dark Order, it generally feels not exploitative or anything like that, but just for some reason doesn't sit well with me. Like I've been asked in the parameters of the storyline to... And I know they try to do it so there's no true heel. And it's like, this isn't like elite level stuff. Like legitimately, they can do the shades of grey texture. Like the, the dark water just can't. Whenever I'm asked to like take a side or think less of someone in the act, I just think, ah, oh, like I'd rather just not see them at all. I'd rather either see them as baby faces. That can't last forever. The last thing you want to do is resent them for Christ's sake. Yeah. Through being overexposed. And the last thing you want to see them do is fall out. I genuinely think they should mutually disband. I don't know if it should happen tonight or in the weeks following tonight's big, one would think, reconciliation angle. Um, But I think ultimately that's the way it goes. It's a hard group to fictionalise. They've done a tremendous job of it. It's been so sensitively handled. The way they've reorientated what the group should be has been great, but the steam of it has run out, I suspect. Um, I would go for a mutual disbanding in the weeks following tonight's reconciliation. Yeah, I, I like, I, I don't hate that at all, because even if you do have them all come together tonight for the, the greater good, like, what what then, really? Even when we've talked about, like, and I wouldn't, like, say, I wouldn't expect if it is going to be Hangman Page, then it wouldn't be associated with this match, particularly, but even if it was Hangman Page, and it was this real grandiose thing, like a main event angle on Dynamite, really, that's still more in service of Hangman Page than it is the Dark Order, isn't it? That's his comeback and it's his way back in to show that he's finally this complete person and he couldn't have done it without them right the way to the last. And then you still think, well, where do we really go with the Dark Order? There's not a lot left to do. We should maybe, like, a bit like what we were saying at the start, really, with Miro's TNT title, not necessarily getting out on top, but getting out as good as on top because the only way to go is down. And there was a few times where this could have been doomed. And, you know, it was one of these great recovered things. And then it was just, like, beautifully handled for most of this year. Um it's a nice way for them to come together here because TJ's whole thing has been, they're just going to let these idiot blokes fight with each other. They've refused to get involved in it because they have tried to be peacemakers. And it's these tempers, this stubbornness, this pointless arguing that's going on between them. Penelope Ford and the bunny have got the HFO. 
this is not me advocating for finding a way to get my Hardy on an AEW show. Uh, he has his he has his own ways of doing that. He doesn't need me on a podcast. Um, but they've got the backing of the HFO in significant number. So of course this seems perfectly placed, doesn't it, for the dark order? to put the differences aside for the two people that have been trying to get them to do it in the first place. This is not a case of the women's match exists as a backdrop for the men's angle. This is more a case of the men have been stupid, hubristic men all this time when they should have been listening to the women. You can actually present this Mm. quite nicely. If it is the hangman page moment, um, I would argue that it's slightly too low key, but maybe a live crowd going nuts for page would... um, would sort of take that away. I don't know. Maybe like maybe on paper that's the sort of thing you're like, oh, is that it for Page? But then like the crowd were going nuts from the second they were back. He was the guy the second mm. they were back in buildings. So maybe that would elevate the whole thing on the night. One final thing we have to talk about, Hamlet, and it's uh, it's quite possibly a non-story, I suppose, because anytime I've asked Andy Murray about this, he's he's poo-pooed it. He told me about the you know the ninety-day no-compete clause, and yet we're in Rochester. It's the Brody Lee. Uh, memorial show effectively and you can't escape the question I mean even though Meltzer said unless something changes in the next 24 hours it's not happening that Bray Wyatt's name or you know whatever he decides to go under elsewhere Wyndham Rotunda he could well show up tonight do you feel that that's going to happen or is that just again someone willing it into existence and it's just just not feasible well, you can't escape the question and you can't escape sounding like a prick if you answer the question on this particular show by saying, I hope not. Like, Brody Lee was his mate. They were super close on screen, super close off screen. And if there is an opportunity, contracts notwithstanding and all that sort of thing, um, all the stuff that we like to talk about in terms of signings, if all that can be placed to one side, who can argue against a man making an appearance on the show that paid such loving tribute had us all in tears across the like wrestlers within the industry and fans everywhere of any show back in December who could particularly find fault with somebody so closely linked to him like Eric Rowan did that night you know um like Big E did on Raw just an opportunity for somebody to just pay their respects to a guy that they loved it's lovely isn't it um that's my answer to the question could Bray Wyatt show up because why not? If it's possible and a nice thing can happen, why not? This doesn't feel like the episode to go into detail about my significant concerns with why I think Bray Wyatt would be a pretty terrible sign in for AEW. But I've said it enough before, and I've said it like, and I'd, I'd say it in the future if indeed he does sign. As much as I trust this process, everything that we've ever heard about what it is that he would like to pitch about the way his characters work, and we still await these great shoots tweets slash interviews where we find out who was really to blame for what happened in WWE and what Bray Wyatt didn't get away with. But everything I've ever heard, everything I've seen from Tony Khan's Twitter in 2013 tells me that this just wouldn't be a fit. Um, So the character, the hardest, hardest of no's, the real life one, like, aye, if there's a way to make it happen, why would you just not let a nice thing happen on your show? You're the, you're the baby face brand, you're the nice company. If there's a way to make that happen, why not? Yeah, I don't want to open up into the wider Bray Wyatt discourse. I'm pretty sure, actually, if you search Bray Wyatt AEW um, on What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, myself, Adam Wilborn, and Andy Murray go into the subject at great length. When I initially, and we've all heard the rumours, and maybe it's just dot connection, you know, it's very easy to connect dots. Rochester, Brody Lee, 
Wyatt family, Wyatt himself. He's been released. You can connect all those dots. Whatever. My two feelings on it are, one, if it's a cameo, maybe special dispensation to make one cameo appearance or whatever. Fine. It would be nice, I guess. No, I guess it would be nice. The other side of the coin is I've seen enough pictures from fans to actually matter and to inform my response to them is that some kind of angle in which it's not just a cameo, a nice thing, like one of his friends has uh, decided to appear on the show with a Dark Order and pay tribute. This would act as his formal debut in a Dark Order-related story in which he's the new leader or the leader of half of the collective who are in conflict with the other half and maybe Paige could take the other side. And it just does not scan at all with everything every member of the Dark Order has said on social media when people have pitched Malachi Black or Bray Wyatt or any spooky guy you can think of as being a new leader saying, they've said all along, we don't want a new leader. Negative one's the leader of the Dark Order. Um, I just can't imagine any scenario where if in fact they sign Bray Wyatt and you know you can wave his 90-day compete. I genuinely have no idea how that works. I thought I did and then you hear things and who the hell knows. Fictionalizing a Dark Order heel turn or reinvention led by Bray, it's just not how they've treated any of this so far. So I just don't, I just didn't think it was viable from the jump, irrespective of whether you think Bray Wyatt sucks or whether you want to see supernatural things in AEW. You won't, you will not see them, not after Matt Hardy, you just won't. In terms of Bray Wyatt Dark Order in Rochester, it's just not happening. It just, it's not what they do. It's not what they will do either. Um, and it's probably not happening anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll wait and see uh, tonight and see how it all plays out. Lots to look forward to on AEW Dynamite. Let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, our NXT 2.0 is available right now. And our review of this show will be out tomorrow, of course, as well. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.